Elders mentioned, my name is Ryan and it is definitely a privilege to be sharing with you this morning. So if we could have the first slide up, please, and then I'll, I'll do the rest from here. We are currently going through Isaiah 61, which I really believe that, that God placed in my heart as a, a vision for Life Church for 2022. And so we're going through it bit by bit. Particularly the first four verses are, are what I, I feel quite strongly are for, for Life Church for this year. And so we're going to quickly recap where we've been over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but yes, this is part three of Isaiah 61. So let's quickly read through. We have a non-functioning clicker. Is it on? Oh, I thought it was always on. So, <laughs> Do you press and hold the red one? Is that... Oh, yeah. So that's got it, I reckon. Well, let's see. Hmm. That's the laser pointer. I don't want to look at that, do I? No. Thank you, Neil. Neil's going to fix this for me. All right, and I'm going to start reading just as a bit of a recap from the last couple of weeks. So Isaiah 61 begins with, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. This should be quite familiar if you've been following along. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me up to bind up the brokenhearted, which is to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. Um, just... I'm pausing here and I'm pleased the problem was not me. <laughs> I can see that right now. There's a battery issue, I'm guessing. He sent me up to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness, release from darkness for the prisoners or the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And as we remembered a couple of weeks ago, when Jesus read this out, he'd closed the book or he wrote up the scroll just before that line last week we went through to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in zion and this is about us everybody grieves but he wants to bestow on us you can insert yourself into this passage a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Great. Thank you. All right. So we are, yeah. Last week, we also had a look at this incredible wordplay in the Hebrew, which we, we miss in any English translation. You, we just, you wouldn't see it. You would just think, oh, beauty instead of ashes. That's nice. But when you look at the Hebrew word for ashes, it's ephah, and beauty is fear. And so I'm certain I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. But the, what we have here is a slight rearrangement of the letters. Just one slight rearrangement for something that is you know, symbolic of mourning to become something beautiful. Uh, I actually read on Friday night, having preached this last week, uh, Brian Simmons, on his social media, he posted this comment ab about this 
this translation. I thought I'd put it here for you. So just like we've got this slight rearranging of letters, God rearranges our lives, taking us and our failures from the ashes and turning them into something beautiful. And he says it's more than just a play on words. It's his word that rearranges us. How awesome is that? That's, that's incredible. It's one of those things I'm like, gee, I wish I had that <laughs> a week ago. And I'm like, hey, I could just tell you next week, you know. So, so yeah, just a, a beautiful thing there. Like we refer to it as a play on words, but it's his word transforming us. With one touch, God can turn your mess into a message. It's a play on words too, yeah. It's not mine, so. Chaos into order. We've heard that before. God can turn your chaos into order with one touch and darkness into light. And a reminder that last week we talked how God spoke light into the darkness in, in three dramatic moments in the Bible. The very first dramatic moment when at creation, when God said, let there be light. So that's in Genesis 1, that's light into the darkness transforming. In John 1, where it's referring to the birth of Jesus, where light entered the world through the person of Jesus. And now he wants to do it through us. You are the light of the world, as it says in Matthew 5. So three incredible times. Um, we are going to continue with verse 4 of Isaiah 61, which is what I believe one of the ways God wants us to be a light in the world. So as we look at verse 4, we have this little verse here. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So if I was to subtitle my message today, it would be rebuild, restore and renew. Three R words. Last week I demonstrated the value of looking at different interpretations, different translations of the Bible. Um, and, I, and I mentioned how every single translation probably has its own biases and, and the value of, you know, cross-referencing different translations and, you know, having a look at the different meaning, knowing, of course, that the English language is constantly changing. And so for us to fully grasp it and going back to the original Hebrew, there is a great value at looking at multiple translations. I'm not going to look at multiple translations today, but I'm going to look at a couple. There are two other versions. Most translations of this particular verse are very, very similar. There's not a lot of change. But the New King James and the New Living Translation, I, I quite like what's happened here. The New King James says, they shall rebuild the old ruins. Again, that's pretty much the same. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. The New Living says they will rebuild, there's a word again, the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago, they will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. It's, it's just wonderful that the letter R just keeps popping up. And so we've got, you know, just with three different translations, the first one I used was the NIV, we've got rebuild, restore, renew, Raise up, repair, and revive. 
What interpretation? Hang on. This is, for me, a continuation of the beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for heaviness verse and the themes there that God is going to replace what was desolate with something beautiful, what was negative with something positive. It's what God does. He's been doing it for a very, very long time. He's, he's quite an expert at restoring and renewing. He's always making old things new. It's, I, I think he loves it. <laughs> All right. Um, always making old things new. So a particular interpretation of this, of this verse, and I'll, we can leave that up there for a little bit, is that these desolate places could be areas of our lives that are broken. If you, if you want to look at it, you know, the, the Bible is this wonderfully complex book or collection of books. And, and we all know that some things can be interpreted in different ways. So, and, and that's part of the beauty of it. So one particular interpretation of this verse is that this is speaking to broken parts of our lives. What are some areas of your life that are broken? Just have a think. It could be, it could be a, a habit in your life it could be an unhealthy pattern it could be a broken friendship or a broken relationship but remember god is always in the business of rebuilding and restoring renewing and raising up repairing and reviving that is his business he desires to do that so that that broken friendship God wants to rebuild that. He wants to restore things that are broken in your life. If, if, it, if, there's, if there's habits in your life, he wants to raise you up from those habits. You know, I'm talking about, obviously, negative habits. There's plenty of good ones, you know, exercise and stuff like that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things that you know are broken areas in your life. And, and I'm, I'm saying that God wants to restore and renew those in your life. It could be in your thinking could be in your thinking. I, I know it's so easy to have negative thoughts generally about ourselves just enter our heads. That's not how God wants you to live. He doesn't want you walking around thinking negatively about yourself. Negative self-talk is, is horrible. God wants to renew your thinking. He wants to, the renewing of your mind, it's, it's, it's constant. That's what God wants to do in your life. It could be wrong believing. It's easy to have even wrong beliefs about God. Generally, this is attached to probably your wrong thinking in the first place. And so you, if you start with a negative thought, you probably go, well, God probably thinks the same thing. And, you know. But God wants to renew you. He wants to raise you up. He wants to revive you. Some wrong thoughts. Do you believe that, that you're a sinner saved by grace? Or do you believe that, that you're a saint? Because how you th- even view those, those words will probably make a slight adjustment to how you would think about yourself. And, you know, who knows, some, some wrong habits could come from that. God wants to renew your mind. Do you, do you struggle to believe that those who are born again or who are in Christ are new creations? Is that something that's a struggle for you? Do you, do you believe that you're no longer with a, a sin nature? 
There's some things that I think God wants to adjust in your life. Do you struggle to believe you've been made righteous? Which we heard from Megan before in her beautiful communion message. I think if, if, if there's anyone here who is struggling with some of those thoughts, then God wants to rebuild and restore and, and, and put back together the right kind of thinking in your life that he designed for you in the first place. You know, we are made in the image of God. Do you struggle to believe that God looks at you with no anger in his eyes? That he sees Christ in you when he looks upon you? That he's a God of love? Or is it easier and more comfortable for you to, to think that maybe he's, he's angry at you all the time? I can tell you he's not. And if these are some thoughts that you struggle with and, you know, God, you know, and, and this version of God that, you know, you have in your mind, God wants to restore and repair those beliefs. He wants to re- restore and repair them. He wants to raise you up and revive you into the reality that you are a precious son or daughter of the king. It's beautiful. He wants to strip away religious thinking that says you're not good enough, that you need to earn it, and that you don't measure up. This is all one way we can look at this verse, that God wants to rebuild, restore, renew our thinking, repair thoughts, wrong thinking, negative thinking, and revive you. There's other ways you can look at this particular verse. We could take it just completely literally. That it's literally about places and towns towns and cities. And as I said before, that's the beautiful thing about the Bible is that you could actually have both. You could have the, the literal meaning and the figurative meaning all at once. And we have that everywhere in Scripture. When Jesus walked on the water, I fully believe he did, but he was also demonstrating that he was Lord over all creation at the same time. Like you can read into that. So you've got the literal meaning and the figurative happening together. That's just one example. It's everywhere. Just thought of another one. When the veil was torn, the veil was literally torn, but symbolized that we now have access. You know, it's, it's constant. As you read through, through the Bible, we have these, these two things going on at once, literal meaning and, and figurative meaning happening together. It's, it's so beautiful. But if we're talking about, if this verse here is also about ruined places and ruined cities, well, whose job is it to, to fix them in this context? Who is doing the rebuilding and the restoring and the renewing the raising up, the repairing and reviving. Seven years ago, I preached a sermon here called Hope. And in it, I read out eight core values that Chris Valton has about the end times. And today I'm going to read out only one of them, which is this one. He said, I will not allow any interpretation of the scriptures that destroys hope for the nations and undermines our command to restore ruined cities. So we know that without the Holy Spirit as our guide, 
we could read scripture and, and end up with a, a wrong interpretation of it. And so we need Holy Spirit to be guiding us as we're, as we're reading it. And so this quote begins with, I will not allow an interpretation of the scriptures that destroys hope for the nations. We know that God has, wants us to have hope for the nations. We believe it as a church. We believe that you know, he'll pour his spirit out over all the earth, of course. He's been doing it for ages and he's going to continue doing it. And so if there's an interpretation from how we read the Bible that is against that, well, then, that, then we, we, we probably need to seek the Lord on that. When I read this out all those years ago, seven years ago, I, I actually didn't know it was from Isaiah 61. Like I, I, just, I saw the quotes. I saw the other, the other seven. He had eight, eight core values. And then, then I heard someone preach on Isaiah 61. I'm like, oh, that's, that, that's connected to that. This is this command to restore ruined cities. It can be so easy to think that everything is always going badly. You only need to turn on the news for a few minutes to, to allow ourselves to believe that everything's going badly. And maybe in the natural, you know, it, it can appear that way. But is that a belief full of faith? Well, do we believe God is restoring all things, making all things new? Because if we really truly believe that, we, we can't look at the natural events and think that's just how they're going to go. Because that, to me, is like just, just giving up. Oh, it's getting so bad today. Whinge, whinge, whinge. <laughs> There's, where is the faith in saying that? Well, I'm not saying we're going to deny that there are problems in the world, and we know that there are. Of course there are. But if we're, we're almost settling on allowing that and having that when we say, oh, well, the world's getting bad, it's getting, it's getting terrible. Well, what are we doing about that? What are we doing about that? I don't believe God wants things to get worse. It kind of goes against a lot of scripture. It goes against a lot of it. I believe he wants to restore devastated places and renew ruined cities. We have that in verse 4 of, of this chapter. That's what God desires. He wants to rebuild and he wants to do it through us. In the same sermon that I preached seven years ago, I, I stated that I actually believe the world was getting better. And I didn't think I was being controversial until I had a chat with someone later that night who said, oh, do you know that the opposite of that was preached in another church nearby this morning? I'm like, well, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, well, it's funny, but it's not, if you know what I mean. But I still believe the world is getting better because I have faith that God wants it to. I have faith that God wants it to. And I actually believe it even more now than I did when I spoke on it seven years ago. So what is our motivation for rebuilding and restoring the ancient ruins? What, what is our motivation? Why do we want it? I mean, we want to see revival. That's, you know, we want to see people come to know Jesus. You know, we, and we, we want to see that. We, we have to believe that. 
if we just sit down and go, oh, it's not going to happen. It's all going horrible. <laughs> well, as I said, there's not a lot of faith with that. But there's something else. In Acts 3, 21, we have, For he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. Well, that's interesting. Fulfilling everything that God said long ago through his holy prophets. And I, I, I'm aware that's, that's one interpretation of that verse. But it's, it's kind of suggesting that he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. Some Christians might be asking, well, what's God waiting for? Why, why hasn't Jesus come yet? Why is he not coming? Are we waiting for Jesus or is, is he waiting for us? Is he waiting for the church to rise up? What do you reckon? I think he is. What specifically is he waiting for? What, what does he want us to do? That's an important question. It's important that we know. If we want to partner with heaven, we, we probably need to know. What do you... You know, we can sit there and go, oh, Jesus is coming soon, I think, I hope, I wonder, it's it's looking that way on the news. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. If we want to partner with heaven to bring Jesus back to earth, well, we've, I think it might be connected to God's plan to restore and renew everything, especially when you look at that. The restoration of all things has taken place. I don't think he wants us living on the edge of our seat, believing he could come any moment. I mean, it's not, not completely unhealthy to believe he could come at any moment. But what, if, if that is your core thought, what are you going to do about restoring the earth? I've got some jobs to do today, but Jesus could come back today, so I'm not going to do them. I was going to mow the lawns, but Jesus will be back. Don't need to. Like, I'm being silly, obviously. But what are you going to do about restoring the ruined cities if you think he's coming back tomorrow? I know what you're going to do. You're going to do nothing. Or you're going to do it as much as you can in one day. I mean, but I don't think he wants us living on the edge of our seat, believing he could come any moment. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Is that how we're, is that how we're living? It involves long-term thinking. Now, does anyone know who wrote that proverb? It was Solomon. Does anyone know who Solomon's dad was? King David? King David had stuff stored up for future generations. So Solomon was able to see that. He's writing that based on what he knew from his own family. His father had long-term thinking. Do we have long-term thinking? 
It's actually been the predominant view in church history. I know that as the years have rolled by, we've probably thought, oh, Jesus is coming back sooner and sooner. Yeah, that, that's fine. It, it makes sense chronologically that with every day, it's, it's one day closer, obviously. But what are we doing for our future generations? We are to occupy until Jesus comes, not be preoccupied with his coming. And of course, the word occupy there means to be busy, be doing the work, restoring cities, rebuilding, renewing. I think Jesus is wanting us to continue to pray the way he taught us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe if we pray that and believe that, are we expecting to see any change when we pray those words? Or are we going to accept what we see on the news as being the future? We're called to build the kingdom of God in the earth. We're citizens of heaven, ambassadors of heaven, and our mission is to implement the culture of heaven into the culture of the earth. We sing about it, we talk about it, but then it just becomes so easy to go, oh, it's all going pear-shaped. But I don't believe that's the intention of God. I've got quite a long quote here by a guy called Jonathan Welton, and I'm just going to read it out. Because I think it, it speaks into what I've been talking about here. If I could have Josh, you would come up and play some keys. Thank you. So this quote is, Someday the church will have completed this mission. So Jesus is coming back. But someday the church will have completed this mission. Sons and daughters of King Jesus will know who they are. And they will live out their identity as righteous people. Suffering will be brought to a minimum in the earth. Who's, who's ever prayed and believed that suffering would be brought to a minimum? Maybe personally, with people you know, or across the earth. Suffering would be brought to a minimum in the earth. Sin will have massively decreased. The sex industry will have collapsed. Broken families will be restored. People will live longer, healthier, and more joy-filled lives. There will be no more orphans, no more starvation, and sickness will be rare. All the enemies of God will bow under Jesus' feet until finally death is put under his feet as the last foe. All other foes will be subdued as we put them under our feet. On that day, Jesus will be able to touch his toe to earth in physical form and finally say, as the Roman emperors did in days past, this place feels a lot like home. Are we praying for earth to be like heaven? Are we believing 
that things are going to get better or are we just going to accept that they're going to get worse? Where is your faith today? Now, I, I know this can be difficult thinking if you've spent decades thinking it's going to get worse. Trust me, I know that. But as we look to the Father and see His heart, do we believe that that's what He wants? As we're speaking to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus, are we actually expecting them to say yes? Is that what God wants? Do we believe the Holy Spirit is powerful? that he also has a mission and do we believe he will succeed can I get you to stand please your eyes and picture where you live the people around you picture Marubna Shepparton and the Golden Valley Picture it the way you believe God sees it. How do you think God views it? What's his heart for this area? church over the years about seeing revival come. Do you believe God wants to see it come to this area? God, we thank you for words like rebuild, restore, raise up, repair, and revive. We thank you that is your heart for the places long devastated. That is your heart for the ruined cities. Cities that have been devastated for generations. God, make our heart the same. May we look at the place we live the same way you do. Give us a heart to rebuild and restore and renew, raise up, repair and revive. Give us faith to see that you will work through us 
that you will do a work in our, in our area. That we'd see revival come to this town, to Shepherd and Marupna, the Golden Valley. We thank you that you are already stirring things up in this place. we think of the people close to us people we know who are far from you we just pray you'd bring revival to them you'd give us words to be a seed as Megan talked about be part of that person's journey God, help us with our own unbelief, with our own negative thinking, where we may have accepted information about you as truth and it's actually not the truth. We thank you that you are renewing our minds all the time. Help us to look to you and see only you your heart for us, your heart for our community, your heart for the Golden Valley. Help us to partner with heaven, to be in the business of rebuilding, restoring, renewing, raising up, repairing and reviving. Show us, God, where we can start. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to encourage you, if you wanted to respond to that in any way, we're going to keep the altar open at the end. But something that has been on my heart is to pray the prayer um, that we would have the mind of Christ. That being our prayer, if we have the mind of Christ and we see how he sees, that we think how he thinks, and that actually will change even how we view the world. So that's something that I've been kind of thinking about. So just be encouraged in that. And also I've really had people in my heart this week about, I just know I just know people are weary. People are tired. Often I'll speak to people and they'll say, I'm just so tired. I agree, I'm tired too. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you too, just to those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So there's a renewing right there. So if you need that today, if you just need a refreshing, let's just gaze upon him. Let's just wait upon the Lord, for he will renew your strength. So I don't know, if you wanted to respond to that too, just feel free to come out. Otherwise, you're free to um, <laughs> go and have tea and coffee. We also have the giving bags at the front. If you would like to give that way, we also have it available online as well. 
Um, otherwise, thank you for coming, church. It's so good to see the family together again this week. <laughs> yeah, let's just go and, and talk about all the good things that God's doing in your life. It's so good. Let that be our conversations. Let that be what we speak about. Let's encourage each other. Let's lift each other up in that. Okay, have a good week. Remember the oldest open if you want prayer. But thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you.